The hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. O Lord, open thou our lips. And my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God. And we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways unto whom I swear my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 86 on page 447 Bow down thine ear, O Lord, and hear me, for I am poor and in misery. Preserve thou my soul, for I am holy. My God, save thy servant that putteth his trust in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I will call daily upon thee. Comfort the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and gracious, and of great mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, Lord, unto my prayer, and ponder the voice of my humble desires. In the time of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou hearest me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. There is not one that can do as thou doest. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. O knit my heart unto thee, that I may fear thy name. I will thank thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will praise thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the nethermost hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the congregations of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before their eyes. But thou, O Lord God, art full of compassion and mercy, long-suffering, plenteous in goodness and truth. O turn thee then unto me, and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and help the son of thine handmaid. Show some token upon me for good, that they who hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast holpen me and comforted me. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 14th chapter of the first book of Samuel. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about six hundred. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes and the name of the other, Sene. The front of one faced northward opposite Mikmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord by saving by many or by few. So his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here am I with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me. For the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men within about half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchman of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll, and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. 
for at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened, while Saul talked to the priests, that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avin. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the curse the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance upon my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath, therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day, and the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they had found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon. So the people were very faint, and the people rushed on the spoil and took sheep, oxen, and calves, and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people, and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep, slaughter them here, and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Now Saul said, Let us go down to the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light, and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? And he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, 
do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, that the people escaped. And Saul said, Cast lots between me and my son Jonathan. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I must die. Saul answered, God do so, and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, <clears throat> against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amechalites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jishuai, Melchishua, and the names of his two daughters were these, the name of the firstborn Merab, the name of the younger Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Here ends the first lesson. Benedictus asks on page 11. Blessed art thou, Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 15th verse of the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke. And now you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they with all one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, 
I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, and the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Here ends the second lesson. Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham, that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. 
and grant us thy salvation. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Lord of all power and might, who art the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of thy name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and of thy great mercy keep us in the same, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us thy humble servants in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall to no sin, neither run into any kind of danger. But that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Morning to all. Our lessons today correspond on, on the theme that um, the, the visible leaders of Israel in the lesson who, who presume to be in charge and represent God are getting it all wrong, and the actual presence of God resides in in someone who 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 is not really in the in the, in the at the forefront of at least the visible story. Um, the, the the chapter from Samuel about Saul it begins to reveal more and more of his personality, and I think it 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 reveals him as someone you know he had he, the earlier we talked about. When they went into the first battle, you know, he went to get all the tribes of Israel to go battle against Nahash, he said, he took a yoke of oxen, cut him up, and he said, if, no, if you don't follow me, this is going to happen to your oxen. So he's, he's prone to these kind of rash oaths. And now in the middle of a battle, it, it, they're fighting the Philistines, you know, he's, he's a cursed be anyone who eats food all day. So you're, you're telling soldiers who are going to fight all day long against an enemy, that they can't have a bite to eat all day long. It's like it's not a very wise strategy, but it's it's a way of sort of maybe manipulating the divine presence, like all 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 you know, or, or trying to use divine sanction in the way you want to use it. And it represents a kind of narcissistic functioning. You see, the Saul is just really about what he wants, his subjective emotional mood. And ironically, it, it, what's going to play out in the Saul narrative is. He tries to hold on to his kingdom as God begins to reject him because of his unfaithfulness. But the irony is he has a son who would inherit the throne from him, who is incredibly faithful and has is actually has a heart that will that reminds us what it, what's said in today's chapter will hearken forward to David. Uh, Jonathan on a little commando raid with his armor bearer all by themselves. He didn't tell his father because I probably knew his father wouldn't approve because his father's afraid. Jonathan's not afraid because who, he says, what prevents the Lord from saving by fewer many? Exactly the thing. And later on, we'll see Jonathan and David become fast friends because they're two people who are warriors who are not afraid of anything and believe deeply in the God of Israel. He can, he can always beat the enemy. And so, and, and the other thing about the armor bearer, Jonathan says, I'm going to go fight. And he says, my heart is with you. So, Jonathan's heart is with God and, and his, his, his compatriot, his heart is with him, contrasting Saul, who has to threaten people to get them to do this in battle. And the result of his threat is that people are compelled to fight, not willingly. And then at the end of the day, they have to, 
they you're supposed to drain the blood from the animal before you eat it in terms of in Leviticus, and they don't do that. So all the all the errors of Saul's rule come to play here, and um, are going to be leading leading to his downfall. And just t tremendous irony that Saul ends up with his curse, sensing his son to death, the very son whose belief in God and faith. Uh, willingness to fight against the the enemy is the one who brought them the battle that day. It's also curious at the end of the story that Saul, when he when they find that that Jonathan is is the one who's guilty, Saul says, "You're going to die." You know, he he seems to because that he saw Jonathan has personally offended some rash oath he's made. He, there's no reluctance. You compare that with say Jephthah, who when he made his rash oath and his daughter came out. Like oh he was sad about it I mean you if you if you make an oath that ends up condemning your child to death you you expect to at least see a little bit of sorrow so this contra this sort of descent to Saul's personality into into sort of narcissistic functioning self focus uh, is, is evident there and then in the in the feeding story remember we're eating dinner at the home of a Pharisee Jesus was on the Sabbath day which was seen in Israel as a type of a meal of the kingdom of God, a type of the fulfillment, reading on the Sabbath day, anticipating when the Sabbath rest is fulfilled. And yet Jesus, the rest, uh, the, the one who in whom Israel will find rest is at the meal, and they're completely ignoring him and jockeying for position and um, wondering who's going to get the most important seats. So when the woman says, you know, or, or that the woman, the person says, blessed he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God, they were presuming to eat bread in the kingdom of God and Jesus. And so the story of excuses, they all with one accord began to make excuse is really referring to them. The kingdom of God is here and they're so caught up in their own stuff, own way of approaching religion, whatever it is, that they're they're making excuses of not even coming. So even though they're looking like they're eating at the kingdom of God, they're not. And taken together, it's a lesson for us that um, our, our religion must be actually connected to God in our prayer. We must be concerned with actually doing what God calls us to do. It's easy for religion to become uh, an affiliation or a, a, a sort of thing we do that justifies what we want to have going on in life. And the essential point of this is to be you know, connected to God in our prayer, listening to me each day, looking at the word of God and really seeking what God wants me to do uh, and, and living in, as we think of that offertory sentence, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And that, you know, that that's, a, I think, a lesson from this today to, to that we we need to follow follow God from the heart uh, daily to and and not just have a religion of outward sort of action. A couple of thoughts on today's lessons. We'll continue with a prayer for all conditions of men on the bottom of page 18. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldest be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially, we pray for thy holy church universal that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are any ways afflicted or distressed, 
in mind, body, or estate. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. <laughs> 